The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. In the next hour, you'll hear from some phenomenal people and healthcare leaders and learn how their challenges became opportunities. Our goal is to show you how you can positively influence your own life experience and purpose and achieve success. And now, here is your host, Danielle Delaney. Welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. This is Danielle Delaney, your host. And today, my spotlight shines on my guest, former model and actress, Elon Carter-Price. Elon now is a writer, producer, and the owner of Tracing London Entertainment Productions. And her children are named Trace and London, so that makes sense. Tracing London Entertainment. Her background is in journalism with a degree from Cal State Northridge, and she is the daughter of the original and founding member of The Temptations, Otis Williams. Ilan is no stranger to the entertainment industry and the privilege that comes along with it. And Ilan is an advocate for anti-bullying campaigns in schools and has had some experience with this topic with her own children. So today, we're going to cover the issues and the differences in public and private schools, bullying versus bullying in public schools and private schools versus public, and how the system deals with the policies, the school policies. And um, it's interesting that Ilan, having grown up in a privileged family, in the exact same area where her children still are attending school now, where she grew up, it gives her a unique perspective 30 years later as the issue is worsening rather than getting better, correct? So welcome, Elon. Welcome to my show. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. I'm very excited to be on the show. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. And, you know, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak from the perspective of being a mother as you can. And I really just think... This is something that's been going on since I was a kid growing up in the San Fernando Valley here in Los Angeles. For those of us that are, those of you that may be all over the country, the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles, there are parts that are very beautiful and affluent, particularly south of the of Ventura Boulevard. And that's where we grew up. And your kids are going to school in the same areas exactly where you grew up. And things are, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. So... I'd like to know what it was like, first of all, growing up in L.A.'s San Fernando Valley as the daughter of a celebrity and how that's different from a non-celebrity household. So if you could fill us in a little bit on who your father is and what that was like, and we'll talk more about him in in a later show, but I'd really like to talk about what the differences were like, and then we'll get into the schools. Well, being the daughter of the founding member of The Temptations, Otis Williams, I didn't realize how much impact that had on me growing up as a child. Um, Mm -hmm. Growing up in the San Fernando Valley, actually, I had moved away when I became an adult, and my kids were actually born in Europe. So when I moved back to the States and I moved back to California, I actually moved back in the same area down the street from where I went to high school. Um, The interesting thing is I did experience some bullying myself as a kid, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. not to the extent that I'm dealing with now. And I went to public school. I've had my kids in public school for a hot minute, but for the most part, they've they've gone to private school, so there is a difference. Um, 30 years ago, there was no diversity in the Valley, and being an ethnic child made a huge difference. But when I look back at on now, retrospect, it really didn't affect me at all. Um, Life was Mm -hmm. normal to me, having an entertainment father, so I didn't see it differently. But now that I have children... 30 years later in the same neighborhood, I see that that made the difference. Having that name, people didn't mm-hmm. mistreat me. And if there was an issue that, my, that I experienced at school, if my parents called the faculty or, you know, talked to the teachers, they squashed it right away. 
I don't see the same thing happening now. And I have friends who are in schools who come from entertainment backgrounds, and they actually have mm-hmm. boys. And I find the ethnic boys seem to have more of a problem than the girls. I have a boy and a girl. I don't have the same okay. experience with both kids. Now, my friend yeah, did you say you're having a different experience with both kids? I couldn't hear. Did you say you had a different experience? Each with child is. Uh, my daughter has never had a problem. But my son wow. has had a problem. And my friend who's an entertainer, who's in another prominent school, she doesn't experience the things I do because her son, her husband is in inter- entertainment and comes from a name. And I said to her, I think the reason why I never had a problem is for the mm-hmm. same reason that my father was famous. So, yes, mm-hmm. having privilege and growing up like that, it was a normal thing for me. I was around... I literally used to go roller skating with Janet Jackson. I remember Michael Jackson coming to the roller skating rink. I remember. Right. I remember that, that too. Yeah. I remember that too. <laughs> We're very fortunate to have I mean, those things that, uh, as a history, really as, as a as a reference in our history. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, there were so many celebrity kids back then, but there was only a few celebrity kids. But we all hung out in the same neighborhood, and it was just a normal thing to me to have those people as my friends. So parlay exactly. into 35 years later, I ended up going to school, and actually some of those people are adults, have their kids end up being in the same school mine were. Wow. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting. And, and in the private schools, what I found is because I'm not an entertainer, I was treated differently than my friends are, that are entertainers with their kids at school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So do you feel that there's preferential treatment? I just I wanted to also ask you, do you feel that being a minority plays into the equation at all? Because, I mean, there's all different well, kinds of, of minorities now, of course. But just right. it's, it's a little more diverse in the, in the Valley than it was as a child, for sure. But... The schools, I don't have children in private school. I don't have children. So I'd really like your perspective on that, too. Um, I mean, do you think being a minority plays into the equation? I think it's a big part in private schools. Um, In public school, I went to one of the best schools in the Valley. So it wasn't a major thing about being in private school then. Now all the parents are like, you know, because there's so much diversity. And when I was in school... There were busing. There was busing coming into the school, which we don't right. have that really anymore into the valley because everyone I think that was bussed in when they became adults ends up moving out here. So now the mm-hmm. schools are very diverse in the public school. So I think a lot of the parents are like, well, I don't want as much diversity. So I want to put my kids in private schools and move further out. Now, what oh. I'm finding is. If you are an entertainer and you're a minority, it's acceptable. If you are a athlete and you're a minority, it's acceptable. But when you don't have a name, they kind of try to figure out, like, well, how are you here? How can you afford to get here? And so there is a difference in the treatment. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that we need to have, as parents, a voice and teach these schools how to have diversity um, appreciation and diversity uh, uh, um, just being sensitive and give some classes to the faculty and the staff because I think some of the kids grow up that are very, I mean, the private schools are very expensive. So you grow up with these wealthy kids and mm-hmm. a lot of them are very, you know, right wing kids and they have, they have those values in their family that they're taught. And if they don't see ethnic kids at the school, it seems out of the norm to them. For mm-hmm. minority children, I don't think it's a problem because we live in a world that we have to blend into and be accepted anyway. But the kids that are not used to seeing the minority kids, they seem to isolate them. And then that's when the bullying comes across. Mm. And I've actually seen the bullying really come across just from all children of all races because also you also get the dynamics of the financial um, donations that come into play, too. Mm-hmm. So a lot mm-hmm. of it has to do with the status of the families in the private schools versus public okay, schools. Okay, hold on with that, because I definitely want to come back to that. I really do, because oh, that touches upon something I was watching this season that was very, that touched my heart. But you, you've been an advocate for anti-bullying. And I'm, mm-hmm. when you speak about having attention called to that, maybe having some training, which is unfortunate that people still need training in this in this day and age, but people do. And I'm not defending anyone, but some people do, wherever they come from, 
is how they think and feel. And um, I know that my father dealt with that at Harvard, and I did a show with, about that with the national, mm-hmm. the president of the National Medical Association, having dealt with yes, I'm, I'm very familiar with the show. <laughs> Exactly. I know yes. you are. And so that the thing is, is that, you know, it's not that we're supposed to be assimilating and making allowances for ignorance, but at least we are aware that that is what's going on there. So some people need to learn differently and they absolutely do need some training in order to, to open their mind, free their mind, right? Just like the song. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, yes. And been an advocate for anti-bullying for so long. And I'm thinking recently there've been some really high profile cases of some racist activity in these schools. And I'm wondering if mm-hmm. you think that the racism problem is tied into the bullying system in the schools. And on that topic, as you answer me, I would love it if you would even mention some of these things that we've seen on American Crime Story, that the, the show with Regina yes. King and Timothy um, yes. Huffman and Timothy Hutton. It's been phenomenal this season. And I mean, I was tweeting about it and saying everyone needs to watch this because these universities, it was on CNN with the Hunting Ground documentary. A lot of these universities have been exposed as covering up rapes because of the high, the high, um, high net worth donors, and they don't want to shake, mm-hmm. the, shake the system. They don't want to shake up the status quo. They don't want to rock the boat, so to speak. And, and the Lady Gaga song, Until It Happens to You, was very touching to me because it did happen to me. Mm-hmm. And I love mm-hmm. that these young women, so young and so powerful, used their voices to make The Hunting Ground, which is a documentary anyone can find on demand, on CNN, online. And I think it's, it's worth, worth watching for everyone across the nation. And it's interesting that we can tie that in, an American Crime Story as well, into all your advocating for anti-bullying. And I'd really like mm-hmm. to know what, how you think the racism ties into the bullying system in the schools. Well, the interesting interesting thing is I actually watch American Crime Story and being that I'm a writer and a producer now, um, Mm -hmm. I had one particular school that I had a very bad incident, I mean, very bad experience in. And um, I had gotten a team of writers together because I was going to write a show or a film about Mm -hmm. not only just being bullied, being a minority, but just other kids. I mean, there's a lot of kids who have issues like ADHD. Some of the kids are autistic. And these schools don't want to deal with it. They want to, and you're paying $30,000 a year. So there are other kids who have um, some social issues that they'd rather bully those children too because they don't fit the norm. And if you don't fit in their little square peg, they want to get rid mm. of the kids. So we, I've seen it on a lot of aspects. And when the American Crime Story uh, came on, I said, oh, my God, this is exactly what I was going to write. Um, wow. What I see that with the race thing, this is my experience for the race at one particular place I was at. There is a lot. Okay. Of Please share. I'd love to hear the story. Please do share it. I'd love to hear it. Well, they're big on sports. And so because they have a lot of uh, – they actually gave a lot of scholarships to inner-city kids to get their sports program together. So there's a lot of kids mm-hmm. with basketball and football and baseball, and they were giving the people a free ride. Well, there was a lot of celebrities mm-hmm. there, too. Well, what happened was – and this is what I was told, um, and, and this is just allegedly – some of the white families were complaining that they were letting so many black students in that they didn't really like it. So they decided that they were going to do a cleansing. But the problem was Hmm. they did not know who could afford to be there and who was getting a free ride. So if you didn't have a big celebrity name, they weren't sure which kid parents could afford to go to the school or which uh, kids that they were actually paying because they were paying the parents and they were paying for the education just to have them there just to get wow. them up so they can win the championship. That was very much going on. And, and actually, it's, it's been – they are finding out more and more. So it's only a matter of time. Uh, because of the donations of the school, there was more, it became a more status thing. So the parents who were donating – Thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, and there was that kind of money on top of the tuition. And then some of them had several kids there. They're the ones who had the power and said, "You know what? I just don't like the way that person looks. I want you to put them out." So what they would do is they would create a case against mm. the child. I saw this actually happen to several Caucasian kids because there was a parent that didn't like a particular other parent. I don't like that parent, and then they would the kid would start getting bullied, not only by, not just because of the kids, they were getting bullied by the teachers and the staff. 
That's unbelievable. Wait, because of the parent so the, conflict? Because of a personally right. personality yes. conflict between yes. adults, I, between grown adults, and I had and the child. And I had several. That. I had several parents contact me that were non-black that said, "This is what's happening, kids." I can't believe it, and I've heard about your experience because one particular parent didn't like them, and they, they donated more money. And I saw that on American Crime Story, and I said, this is right because someone has actually hit the nail on the head. They've got it right. And somebody's investigating that, that not really, really, if they're exposing it. Somebody's, yes. somebody's so, really looking so, into so, yes. in, in public schools, I think you have a different issue. But in private schools, it's definitely racist part of it, but a lot of it also, too, has a lot to do with status and donation. And uh, mm-hmm. it really depends on the families and how much they like the family is how well the child does at the school. And oh, it also depends on the child's performance? Is that, is it about the child's academic performance? No, that's, 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 that's part of it. That's a very small part of it. Some of the children, what I found, that some of the parents got together and told their group of kids to bully a particular kid. The parents are in high, it's like the parents are going back to school and in high school and playing games. And I, and I think they want this privileged lifestyle. And that's not how the world works today. The world has changed. The world has evolved. We have so many different cultures in the United States. I lived in London for seven years. There's 30 languages mm-hmm. in just in London property because it's so diverse for so many different cultures. And we have to try to be a little bit more open and understanding and have cultural sensitivity to other people because we have to get along. We, we don't know as parents if we're promised tomorrow. So our children no. have to learn how we have to give them the tools to learn how to get along and, and, and deal with the, the issues in this world because not everyone's going to treat your child like you treat them. So they're going to have a rude awakening if they go. Yes, they are. And, they have this privileged lifestyle and go, oh, well, how come I can't have this? Well, then the same thing with me. Coming from an entertainment background, I had a very privileged lifestyle. But you know what? I'm not the one that's the entertainer. My father is. So now that I'm a grown woman, that didn't help me until I got into acting and modeling, but I still had to use his name, and that made a difference. Wow. You know, it's really, so, it really just drives the point home that so many people still have so much to learn about not fearing right. anything just because it's different from what they're accustomed to doesn't make it a bad mm-hmm. thing to learn about someone new and to become close to someone new, not just tolerating. I don't like the word tolerance, really, because mm-hmm. it's allowing ignorant people to say, well, we're tolerating you. I don't want to be tolerated. I want to be understood, accepted, and often have been. I've been quite fortunate where my, my blackness, quote-unquote, wasn't even something I was heightened in, in awareness of, I guess, in third grade, I experienced some racism, but I would think as an adult, I really didn't have as much of it, but I also realized that I had blinders on for some time, and then yeah. when those blinders were taken off, it was exactly what you said. It was a rude awakening. Guess who's coming to dinner? Mm-hmm. You know, it was definitely a well, whole it was, new I world experienced- for me. I experienced the same thing, Danielle, because when I grew up in the Valley, I was one of, I was only a couple of black kids that went to my high school. And right. I we had assimilate. We assimilate. It, 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 it really wasn't a thing for me. Like, I never thought of anything being racial because I didn't grow up like that. And the racial problem that I did have in high school, which is some people might find this shocking, was from the black kids. The black kids that were bust into the Valley looked at me like, oh, you think you're better than me, and and you look like this, and you're not like us. And the kids tried to jump me in the bathroom. First day of high school, never forget it. And I had problems from the black kids. So for me, seeing this with the children today is shocking because these are the kids that we went to school with, that we got along with, and we were fine. We were happy. We went to parties. We intermingled. We did family trips. And now these people that are the ones that I grew up with, they're, we're, you know, they're my age and they have kids and they're doing, they're the very ones that are promoting ignorance. I just don't you know, understand. So I think that we need to empower ourselves and get knowledgeable about what's going on. And just some of the things that I've experienced with my son, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I believe in being old school. So I mm-hmm. will call a parent and say, hey, look, you know, I just want to let you know the boys are having an issue. Let's talk about it. And the schools don't like that. I want to talk about it. Let's figure mm-hmm. out what's going on because that's how we did it. 
And a lot of the parents were like, oh, well, my son would never do that. Well, there's no, there's no training at home. A lot of kids have nannies. So the parents are off doing their things, and the kids do what they want, and they're not disciplining them. When our parents, when we were young, we were disciplined, and there was structure, and we knew we would get in trouble if we did the wrong thing. We knew right from wrong. I don't find, I think I find a lot of it is now is there's no structure with the kids, and then the, the schools feel like their hands are tied because you're not allowed to discipline the kids but so much nowadays. I, that's so there's many dynamics. Pardon? No, there are different dynamics that play into the whole bullying thing and covering up. Right. There's so many different angles that come into play why they don't go after, like back in the day, you get in trouble and you're like, oh, you're going to the principal's office. Well, I was scared if right. I was going to the principal's office. Exactly. That doesn't happen anymore. I still don't, Parents like don't get to talk to you. I don't want anything written in red pen. I don't want it written on see the teacher about anything. I got straight A's, but if I exactly. did wrong behavior-wise... <laughs> I, I asked someone to, to, to not use red pen at the post office on a package yesterday. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't even want to see that red pen. But I completely <laughs> agree with you that there's certain things that go on that it's, it's about the parenting. And I'm not a parent, but I have many, many, many friends who are parents. I was in five, six weddings a summer at one point, every summer. So I remember that being there when children were born. I remember being there for their first and second birthdays. I remember going to mommy and me and that wheels on the bus song being stuck in my head for no good reason for weeks and weeks. <laughs> and I re- I've experienced that. And of course, my sisters have children that are each 24 and 25. Annalisa's birthday is 25 today. Happy birthday, Annalisa. Oh, and happy it's birthday. just, um, <laughs> you know, she's wonderful. And it's just amazing to watch them grow up and my family being so mixed and diverse when, with Asian family members and Italian family members. We've kind mm-hmm. of got it all going on. But what I see is that um, when we were kids, I was bullied as well by the kids who were bust in because I was being dropped off at yep. a corniche or because I spoke too properly, which there's really no proper mm-hmm. anything. It's just dialect. You know, it's wherever you grow up. It doesn't have anything right. to do with intelligence. And the people who don't speak in a certain king's English are still just as brilliant or bright. They just may not, right. we're reco- may not speak the same dialect. Like London, which I'm finding out because we don't have, we don't, we, there's a lot of bullying in England too, but you don't have mm-hmm. the racial component that you have in the United States. And I know people mm. don't want to hear that, but I lived there for almost seven years. That's, it's more of a class thing there. It's very classist, but I do find that we mm-hmm. are becoming classes. I mean, not to bring up what you were just talking about, you know, us experiencing the racism from the black kids being bust in. You know, there's well, I got it from both. Black I'm black. same. The white kids and the black kids, both. Yeah. Right. So the bullying, there just was a little girl on the news two weeks ago, a very high-profile case where they beat the little girl up in the bathroom. They killed her. And they I heard her about that. Now, do you know what state they, that was? I, I actually don't know. Well, the thing is, there are always a warning signs. And one of the things... Okay. And one of the things that I've said to the schools... You have warning signs that something's happening. Don't let it get to that point. And I, I so don't let it get to that point. Well, hold right. that thought. And it breaks my heart break. that we lost this child because no one paid attention. It's heartbreaking, and I'd like to talk more about it. We're going to break, and we'll be right back talking about bullying with Elon Carter Price. And uh, we'll continue in just a moment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's time to do all of those things that you always said you'd do in your life. What's stopping you? Is it other people, your environment, fear? What could give you a push? Tune in to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. Our show is all about taking risks and turning them into positives and personal gain. We'll help your inner voice speak up and get you out of that comfort zone. Raising the Bar can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you feel alone trying to conquer life's challenges? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April Joy Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to discover the powerful you. 
April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you get empowered holistically every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. If you'd like to connect with Danielle, feel free to send an email to therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. That's therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. I'm your host, Danielle Delaney, and we are speaking with my guest that spotlight is on Elon Carter Price today. And we went to break, but as we come back, I'd like to... um. To first of all, give a little information, if you'd like to be reached, Elon, where can people reach you? You can reach me at www.tracinglondonentertainment. Like you trace something, London like the city, entertainment.com. Okay, and so uh, you can go to that website. Okay, so that's tracinglondonentertainment.com. T-R-A-C-I-N-G-L-O-N-D-O-N. Entertainment.com. Entertainment. Wonderful. Wonderful. And are you on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, anything else like that? Any other my, things my, like fa- that? my Facebook is Elon Carter Price. And um, my Instagram is Elon C. Price. Elon C. is in cat. Price. Perfect. Yes. Okay. Yes. And for me, you can follow me on Twitter at it's Danny Delaney. That's it. That's at, at and then it's. D-A-N-I-D-E-L-A-N-E-Y. And my website for counseling is DanielleDelaneyCounseling.com. And anything regarding this particular show that you'd like to discuss out there, write to me. And that's at TheRealDealWithDanielle at, G- at gmail.com. TheRealDealWithDanielle, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E, at gmail.com. Okay, so let's get back into this because that, that story was really terrifying and this is something I saw a little ticker tape across the news, you know, and it basically says things are, getting right. worse, things are getting worse. And I'm watching the news and I didn't really catch what exactly happened and what state. So I know that a young woman, a young girl was beaten to death and her parents are dealing with this tragedy. And from what I could gather, it was in a school bathroom. So if you could tell me a little bit about what happened and then we can get into what warning signs are and how to prevent such tragedies. And it's just, my heart goes out to that family. So Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. Well, with a young girl, her name is Amy Anita uh, Joyner-Francis. She was 16 years old. Um, she was in a Delaware school, and uh, it took place in the bathroom of Howard High School of Technology. The little girl, or the 16-year-old young lady, and the other two young women involved were having an argument over a boy, supposedly, and they jumped her at 8.15 in the morning. So this was actually planned. They plotted to do this to this child. And um, they had been wow. giving her threats, so they got her early in the morning, 8.15, banged her head up against the sink in the bathroom, killed her, and they actually did not tell the parents at all immediately. They said, just come get your kids because there's been an altercation. So, you know, that's, I mean, as a parent, that's the worst phone call you can possibly get. Terrifying. Because you know when your child is... Right. You know when your child is being bullied. You know when your kid comes home and their behavior. A lot of parents, you know, and please contact me through uh, uh, Danielle's website and contact me through my website because I'm trying to get a voice from parents to empower them and so we can go to the schools and we can have a voice because we need something to support us. Because when your child comes home and they don't want to eat, they start acting out. That's one of the first signs your kids start acting out. When my son started mm. acting out, I knew something was wrong. And I and you know, of course I would get mad and we would have our little tips. But I was like, you know what, something's off. This is really strange behavior and not like him. And then before he was really excited to go to school and then all of a sudden he would be like depressed and didn't want to get up in the morning. Those are the signs. So sometimes kids are scared to tell their parents. They kind of, uh, you know, just kind of re- revert back into being like a little kid. And, and you'll see their behavior change and they become mm. quiet and they're not social. 
And then when you start seeing that at home, you start asking questions um, and just be involved. Know who their friends are. Know who they're dealing with. When your kid goes to someone's house, because, you know, especially for girls, it's very hard when they become 12, 13 years old because the social aspects come into play. And right. then when they're conscious of their body, we become very body conscious at 12, 13 years old. I don't care how academic your kid is. Those are the pressures that the kids, the young girls deal with. Boys have sports, mm-hmm. so they actually eventually learn how to play on a team and, and, and bond together. Girls start going at each other. So when you start seeing a girl's behavior change, then you know if the girl if you're prettier than me, then you get all the other aspects coming in. So yeah. be very vigilant about finding yeah. who and you're aware. Are. What? Where? Mm-hmm. Do not. I mean, when I was a kid, we went to the mall by ourselves. I would not let my kid go to the mall by themselves. I just oh, wanted. I know. Isn't it interesting? Not- I've got to interject there right now. I'm going to interject there because it's so interesting when you look back at childhood for us and childhood for this generation, first of all, I see everybody has a device in their hand. I mean, even just, I'm in a high rise. Mm-hmm. I can look from a balcony any night, any night and see people walking their dogs on one of those hoverboards at the same time as they're texting and have on yes. giant headphones. And, and they're cyberbullying to happen. Yeah, they're cyberbullying. Yeah, they're, they're so cyberbullying. There's all of that. But back to what you were talking about, about the awareness when your child's behavior changes, as someone who provides counseling for AMAC, Adults Molested as Children, same thing. And that just heightens my awareness to tell parents that, yes, anytime mm-hmm. there's a behavior change, that they're withdrawn or suddenly behaving mm-hmm. differently, they may have been threatened by another student or they may have been threatened by a faculty member. They may have been threatened by anyone in their life or they may have been violated. And it always behooves parents, as I know, not from being a parent, but, but from being a clinician and a uh, mental health care practitioner that the awareness and the and the vigilance that you need to, to to show when your child is acting any behavior that's different and they're acting differently from how they used to anything that deviates mm-hmm. from what their norm is which may not be the norm for all but that some attention must be paid and it doesn't have to be in a blaming way it needs to be in a very safe way to sit down mm-hmm. and say I need to know what's going on with you no one will be hurt. You know, uh, uh, people who are hurting children will often say, I'll hurt your dog, I'll hurt your parents, I'll do this. And yes. tell them, you know, yes. there are no secrets between us. No one is going to be hurt. I promise you, if anyone's told you that, that is not going to happen. Right. It will be kept private. We will make sure that you are safe. And it's, it's the difference between night and day, between something being dealt with and going on for years and years. And I wanted to also add, some of what you were talking about, it's unbelievable. The... Um, The bullying, this poor young woman whose parents have lost her forever, this tragedy. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, and I was at Lanai Road, and it was dealt with appropriately. I was at a public school, but in Insane. Right. Correct. um, It was a great school, wonderful school experience. I had one racist teacher, but other than that, the other years there were wonderful. And I had kids corner me in the bathroom because I spoke differently because I speak the way I do, and mm-hmm. back then I had a lisp on top of things, so that wasn't helping anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and they cornered me in the bathroom, but there was an assembly about it, because these little girls shoved me, and I was all of 9 or 10 years old, and my eyes mm-hmm. hit the corner of those metal mirrors that you have in a, in a bathroom vanity <laughs> in a public school or anything, yes. really. And it, I had, it blew up like a black eye. It was the only time I was ever <laughs> hurt as a child. And they had to call an entire assembly to address bullying, and they did so. They did so. They were, uh-huh. they were verbal about it. They were open and outspoken about it, that it would not be tolerated. It was like a one-strike policy. And this was an excellent public school in fourth grade. I right. Say, so I was about nine. And it was handled. And it was handled properly and swiftly. And it's amazing and to me cool. to see 30 years, 30 years later, more than 30. Right. My high school reunion is 30 years this weekend. So this is 40-some years later, you know, uh, 38 years later to be exact. And it's, it, it just, it's really painful to hear that that's still going on and a young woman died. So what would you oh. say, in, as an advocate, as you are, I would love it if you were able to, you know, to get a petition going and we could put it on my Twitter, my host page, your Twitter, something to make sure that some kind of law gets passed or something changes because I'm all about being real. That's why it's the real deal. And, and, and making change in these areas where, where change has not been uh, created yet and nothing that's a, a static, constant change, clearly, because things are still happening. 
So what in an ideal world would you say would be the thing to do? What do you think the schools can do differently to approach parents and faculty relating to these incidents? And what are the, I mean, the warning signs we kind of talked about and touched on, but if you know of more, please tell. And just elaborate on what you think can be done if we were to put together a petition of some kind and put it all over the web. What do you think well, the teachers, the faculty, that's, the parents That's can one do of the things I definitely want to do. I want to get a petition together. And just going back to what a couple of things you said, uh, just to retract back to mm-hmm. parents, I want everyone to be aware that if your child says a teacher does not like them or a staff member doesn't like them, most of the time, they're telling the truth because I've seen right. it over and over now that the, the, the staff is in on it, and they actually bully the kids, too. I mean, if they're trying, especially in the private schools, if they're trying to cover up for a family, what they do is they flip the language. It was something very simple, like my son had uh, asked that a kid was upset because he couldn't do his math. It was a math test. Mm-hmm. He said, don't worry. I can help you. He put his hand on his shoulder, and the kid punched him and beat him up in the class. Whole class saw it. Now, when I was called in, the principal says to me, well, you hmm. know, he probably upset him because he put his hand on his shoulder, and that made him mad. So my argument is, my, my child's act of kindness, I'm teaching him to be a kind person. I'm teaching mm-hmm. him to respect people's faces. I'm teaching him to say, you know what, I can help you. So you're going to punish him, and he's the victim, and you flip it. So what parents have to understand, these are the things that are actually happening, and we have to stick together and make sure... Yes that things are getting done and that we are paying attention to our kids. You know, also retracting back to something you said about the bathroom situation. This little Mm -hmm. girl getting hurt in the bath, getting killed, breaks my heart because when I said the kids that were bust in, when they tried to jump me, it was in the bathroom. And it was a group of girls. Same, exactly. It, It was a group of girls who got me in the bathroom and they plotted. And the thing is, as parents, we have to first deal with the schools first, and that's what everyone is afraid to do. We have to, pe- we have to make sure the people that are in these positions, the dean, the head of school, they're all on board and actually get a petition that says, if you cannot control the behavior of your child and there's more than one incident per child of bullying, then we should prosecute the parent because the parent yes, should be responsible to be for your child's exactly. behavior. When you are calling right. kids a racial epithet and go, well, I didn't really mean that. I meant to call him a burnt toast. That's what a principal said to me. And I said, that's racial. I mean, I don't believe that's what the child said, but you're actually trying to justify it. That's unacceptable. Because you well, here's the thing, Elon. You know, with all crime, there's a, the, 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 the uh, huge, huge epidemic of victim shaming and victim blaming and and, and even right. people, people are being made to be ashamed of being a victim. If you're a victim, you're a victim. It's just a word. It and, doesn't mean you can't a, be a victim when you actually and, are a victim of violent crime. Right. And I don't want everyone to think that I'm only focusing on the racial part because it's not on just the racial part. There are such no. a large number of children that have ADD and ADHD, and a lot of them are on medication. And that's another factor that comes into play. They want you to to um, um, get all, all the kids medicine. They want all the kids to be on medication so that it makes their job easier and they don't help the kids. So those kids are being isolated by the faculty and the teachers, not the students, because usually it's just hyper and the kids are running around. So right. you also have to deal with that fact that those kids are being bullied. So if your kid has any kind of issues from all aspects, we need to have some kind of uh, petition that's saying, look, there's a list of things that can happen. And, you know, we won't tolerate this anymore. You, Our children have to feel safe. We are entrusting you to be in the adult, I mean, to be in the hands of this adult. And you have my kid for eight hours a day. I want him to feel safe when he goes to school. So, but, I mean, that one must be a terrifying one. feeling for your children to leave home and knowing that I mean, I have a friend and a colleague who is brilliant, and his name is Dr. Dale Archer, and he'll be coming on the show later this year, and he wrote a book called The ADHD Advantage, having been someone who had it his whole life, and also advocating for people with ADHD, that it is actually, and it's a wonderful book, and it's about it not being as much of a problem as people can create around it when it can actually be advantageous, although there are difficulties, no doubt, 
it can be advantageous right. in ways that these children are advanced. And these children are multitaskers, and some of these children really shine in their adulthood if they are encouraged in that way. And then also back Mm -hmm. to the the shaming and blaming, it's really unfortunate that that happens. And I think that, you know, language is very important, and the way language is used around mental health care and any behavioral issues or anything that's going on that makes a child different, that stigma sticks throughout their lives, and it's really traumatizing. I see children, I see adults only 17 and up, actually, so, but I see mm-hmm. it when they're having conversations about when they were 12, much like we're mentioning when we were nine in a high school bathroom, why can't that bathroom be watched? Why can't, I mean, it just, that turns criminal mischief just turned into homicide in that other case. So, and that's premeditated right. if those little girls were planning that. It's not just mischief anymore. And it's, it's really disheartening to hear that it's still going on, but I do think my show is about changing the conversation. It is about the real deal of what's happening out there. And I think that's something that we can absolutely do. And I'd like to, you know, in the future, maybe bring you on as a call-in guest when Dale, Dr. Dale Archer is on, because you can have a conversation about ADHD. And I have another friend who is mm-hmm. a teacher in, in Agora Hills in California, and she deals with that with her child as well as children in the classroom. And it's not being handled properly other than by her as a teacher. And I want to have Juliana speak up about that. So it's really, um, it's really something that I'm just so glad that you've brought it up. And I think that you're right, that something about the faculty and the parents relating in a way where things aren't brushed under the rug before they become tragic and where it's addressed as a one-shot deal, where it is a one-strike right. policy because it just can't go on. And then we've lost a beautiful life because... Uh-huh. of the ignorance and violence of a few. We've lost someone that could have affected, you'd never know, that could have been the child that was going to later cure cancer or create such lasting change. That could have been someone like a Dr. King or someone who's going to be so instrumental in our future. And it's just, uh-huh. they're gone now. They're gone because of the uh-huh. ignorance of a few. The many suffer, not to mention the suffering of that family who our heart just goes uh-huh. out to. So... Um, I really think it's important, and I think it causes suicidality in children as well, suicidal ideation, and I've heard that a lot in my practice, and I just think it's just got to be dealt with. It's got to be handled. So in an ideal world, what do you think the schools can do differently? What do you think we need to talk about for the schools that are listening or the parents that are listening? I mean, first of all, let's all be adults and be open-minded and not have uh, judgment of one another because there's no place mm-hmm. for that when you're raising children in the same world. So there's really no mm-hmm. place for that in either direction. You know, there's no no place for racism, reverse racism, bullying, any kind of any kind of intolerance whatsoever. We all want healthy, happy, well-adjusted children so that when they go out into the world, it's taught you know how they behave with others and what's tolerated right. at home is going to be to- not going to be tolerated in the real world. So. Those children, regardless of their race or gender, whatever they're being taught at home is what I have to deal with out in the world as a non-parent, as a child-free person. So right. I'm invested in everybody doing it right, thank you. And also, I just know that these kids are suffering. So what, what would you advise suffering in an ideal world? And I, and, I think it's, and I think it's also affecting them as young adults. I mean, when we were kids, it's not because someone didn't – there was no awareness of ADHD or ADD. And I think a lot of it mm-hmm. is because we played outside until it got dark. We rode our bicycles. We were at each other's house. We were active. Now the kids are just on the phone. And, you know, the kids are gifted, and they learn much more because there's more knowledge because you can just look it up on the phone. And It's also um, scary, though. Like, it's scary. It can get it's, scary. It's, it's scary, but the parents are not paying attention. And that's a lot of it. And you hit the nail on the head and you said, look, let's put our differences to the side. Let's be open-minded. Let's, as parents, pay attention to what's going on. And I'm the first one. If my kid's doing something wrong, I'm going to apologize and tell him, look, you can't do that again. And how would you like if someone did that to you? It's something just as simple as that. And sometimes parents think, well, my kid's the perfect little kid at home, but you're not necessarily know, necessarily know what little Joey's doing when he goes to school. So, and, 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 and a lot of time, and also too, we're also dealing with the status part of kids in the shoes. The tennis shoes now cost a lot of money. 
You know, everyone has an iPhone. So you have this competition also mm. of monetary things that the kids had that we did not have. We didn't have cell phones. We weren't wearing $100, $150 tennis shoes. We weren't wearing designer clothes. That's what the kids are doing. And that's Well, wait, what about dittos? We had dittos and Shaminda Fair and a couple other ones. And that's and one little girl had Nike Gloria with the but I think I that they try to making sure I had this and that. It's ridiculous, but yeah, it's similar. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then now they try to do the uniforms, which is great. But then you find that you find the kids arguing over shoes. It's ridiculous. Wow, so they're bullying each other over things that are not important. And I think, as like I said, as parents, we have to be aware, and that's how we're going to resolve it. And we have to be communicative, communicative to the actual staff. Because, once again, the staff tries to protect the families at the school, and they don't want to hear what you have to say. They try to spin it to your the child that's being bullied, the victim, is the one who's causing their own problems. It's like saying someone who got raped, but you wore that really sexy outfit and that short skirt with high heel shoes, and your boobs out, so that's why you got raped. That's what's going on. It's victim blaming and victim shaming, and you know what? The very victim blaming. No one's ever the victim is not the cause of any crime or any kind of situation where you are, you know, committed a crime and gotten hurt physically in any shape or form. So, um, but we can do something about it as parents. Well, let's be clear about that. that. Let's be really clear about that, Elon, because there's something that you said that resonates with me so strongly. And I was talking about victim blaming and victim shaming before that the choice is always the perpetrator's choice. It doesn't matter if someone's in a bikini walking down the street in crazy heels and something happens to them. It is the perpetrator's choice to do that. And actually, when they Mm -hmm. say, well, I couldn't stop, they'd stop if their mother walked in. So it's one of those things where you say a person can stop, absolutely, and curb their behavior. And it's the same with any violent crime to shame and blame the victim, whether it's bullying, rape, molestation, anything, is secondarily traumatizing to that individual and can alter their life, the course of their life. So being heard and believing your child and believing the parents, which is what faculty need to do is Mm -hmm. believe the child and the parents and not work on language such as, you know, well, how can we change your kid from touching another child's shoulder gently to actually listening to what the situation is. And we all have more similarities as human beings than differences. So if people can Mm -hmm. just put aside these minor aesthetic things, and also these financial things. You can't take it with you, people. So it's, it's just exactly. not important. But the children are a comedian going to be who said that. Uh, <laughs> a comedian yeah. said that the uh, Egyptians tried to do that with the pyramids, and you see all the pyramids have been robbed. So I can't take yeah, it with Yeah, it's in a museum behind glass. <laughs> Nobody took it with them. And I, I, right. my, uh, I have a friend or a grandmother, I think, who used to always say, you know, you never see a Brinks truck following a hearse because you can't exactly you. so it, it's, a, it's, right. it's, it's a real reality check to just keep it real and realize that it, it's all just secular worldly stuff and often it's the most you know the people who think that they're so evolved and so above all of it and consider themselves either very pious or what have you that that are that are really exhibiting the most <laughs> materialism and ridiculousness when it comes to accepting others and when it comes mm-hmm. to realizing that your peers are all alike and they may say that they're doing one thing, but behind closed doors, it's quite another. And that's where the children mm-hmm. are learning. And that's where the children are finding, you know, acceptance and love and, or not, and, and learning how mm-hmm. to treat other kids. So I think it's really an important conversation. And I'd actually, I'm thinking I'd like to have you back after we've circulated some kind of petition at some point so that we can see well, I'd love to actual back. change. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to see where I mean, I I definitely uh, I definitely feel very passionate about this and you know, like I told you as a parent and experiencing it and then talking to other parents and having similar stories. I mean, each story is different, but the pain is the same. And you know, right. when you one of the things my son said to me one time, you know, it's interesting because I actually having the entertainment company I'm, my son is an entertainer, so I've gotten him. He has music videos, and he's a little rapper, singer. And so at first the kids loved it. Now they criticize him for it because there's a couple of jealous ones. So now they're right. teasing him about that. And um, it's just interesting that 
for me, I just look at this and go, you know, I can't believe I'm experiencing this 30 years later when I didn't have this problem. I did not have these issues when I was going to school. And when your child says, it hurts me to see you that hurt. That's what my child said to me one time. Because oh, that's the pain painful. is so real because you are supposed to protect your kid. And when you can't protect them, every parent out here who's experienced, no matter what your story is, what your journey has been, you know what that feels like as a parent. It hurts. When your child is in pain and you can't fix the problem. And there was an incident, and I'm not, I'm, look, I'm not advocating this and saying that this is okay, but there was a situation on the news a few weeks ago about a mother who had a boy who I say was about 14, 15 years old. She comes up to mm-hmm. school. The mom was kind of not a heavy set woman, but kind of a, 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 you know, woman who had some size on her. And I guess mm-hmm. the two boys were bullying her son. And she, okay. she approached them and the kid hit the mother. The mother snatched the kid and started beating up the, the both kids. With their, See, you know what? This son. is so sad. And I'm glad this we're ending on that note. It's terrible, but I'm glad that we're on that note, Elon, I'm glad that we're going to close on that note because what's happening in this world is that people are not, they're acting on their, on their emotion. They're coming in hot. They can't do that. They have to really think. And on that note, we're going to have you back another time so we can talk more about this and how we've made some changes. And if anyone wants to write in about this, please do. That's the real deal with Danielle at gmail.com. Elon, it's been a pleasure to have you. Everyone, please go out. Thank you for having me. One another. Anytime and be kind to one another and be well. Take care. Thanks for joining us this week. Be sure to catch The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney live every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait for you to see what's in store next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.